0: One of my goals with the secret podcast is to make the supernatural more natural and the paranormal more normal. These are events and occurrences that happen as a part of our natural and normal everyday lives. We've just been conditioned to ignore them and deny their existence. Well, it's time to undo that conditioning. I'm proud to announce that Ray Davis and I of Sixth Sense Media have created our own Sixth Sense Media clothing line. We can't always go up to somebody and say, Hey, what do you think about disclosure and UFOs and aliens on the earth? But you can wear one of our Disclosure Now T-shirts and get people's attention, start a conversation, or connect with another like-minded person who sees your shirt. If you're a truth seeker or someone looking to enact positive change in the world, why not wear it with pride? Connect with other like-minded truth seekers and become the change you want to be and see in this world. Visit SixSenseMedia.net, click on the store tab. And become the change you were born to inspire. Visit SixthSenseMedia.net, click on the store. Welcome to Truth Seekers. Let me tell you why, tell you're, here. why you're here. You're here because, you're here you, know because something. you know something. What you know what you, know can't, you explain. can't explain. But you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Hello, friends, and welcome to The Secret Podcast with Sixth Sense Media. It's the show that challenges reality, questions at which we've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change, making the paranormal feel... Quite normal and the supernatural, quite natural. That's exactly what we aim to do once again on this episode of the Secret Podcast, talking about tech takeover and the things that technology is doing today. Is the work of science fiction becoming reality? Making that, making that uh, science fiction science fact. It's fascinating stuff to see. Uh, some scary, some good. Who knows? You be the judge. I'm going to get into it tonight as I talk about that. You know. Listening to the introduction of this show, I always listen to, to the show before, to that little Morpheus intro, and it just it gets me in the zone, man, and because it just, it speaks to you, it speaks to me. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something, what you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life, like a splinter in your mind driving you mad. I've said this before. I repeat myself a lot, don't I? But that statement just defines what I feel. Uh, Like there's just, there's something wrong with this world. I don't know what it is, but it's driving me crazy. And I, you know, and that's, that's an exciting feeling. I think that it gives you a sense of purpose. It gives you to me, this has just been one giant mystery, and it's had its highs and its lows. Believe me, but when I think back on what a driving force this journey has been in trying to understand these essential questions, it's been it's been a lot of fun. It's been it's led me it's led me here to where I am today, and and I'm just I'm I'm thankful for it, despite the horrible things that may have been uncovered and that I've witnessed that question. It's the they say it in the Matrix again, it's the question that drives us, and it really is. And that's a powerful thing to have that question. To have that yearning to want to know and to learn and to understand. And and I'm just I'm thankful for it. And I just want to say that. And I'm thankful for all of you out there. I know it's I've been off and on. Uh you know, I missed last week again and I just I just been i bogged down, I'm not going to complain, as I usually do, but it's my it's my show and I can do it if I want to, you know what I'm saying? But no, I, um, you know, life's just been busy for me, but I, I promise I'm dedicated to this show uh, and I think about it all the time and, and to be on the air just feels so good. I've been doing prep work now for the last, uh, geez, probably about an hour and a half just going through the articles I want to talk about and... In reference, um, you know, today's kind of win-win as far as I usually do the news beforehand and then I get into my content. But tonight the news is the content. I pulled a bunch of stuff, recent stuff that deals with technology that uh, ties into what I'm talking about. So, but it's been uh, it's been a, a, an exciting week. I want to talk about. Um, I want to start with something from Ray Davis. He has uh, the affirmation spot. Uh, lots of links to it. Affirmationspot.me is where I'm pulling this one from. He's doing 365 days of affirmations, and and he's on uh, he's on a roll. And, and I know I talk about it every week, but I, I, again, I'm thankful for for knowing that people like Ray Davis exist. And he put something out there that's very relevant to my life on a lot of levels. And it's real short, but it's it's random thoughts number 16. Not knowing is okay and I think that ties into the introduction I just did and, and now that I'm saying I, I love how this happens sometimes I've been thinking about this show for a while I didn't mean for that brief introduction I just did to to connect to the first thing I want to talk about random thoughts not knowing is okay I, I really feel it's neat how things just kinda of flow when uh, when this show is going I really didn't mean for that to connect Talking, I didn't even plan to talk about the Morpheus intro and all that stuff, but this, this show just you all inspire me. I think there's a connection we have here. Anyway, let me let me move on to Ray's piece here. Random thoughts number sixteen: Not knowing is okay. And he Ray writes, one of the great things about little kids is they are not as afraid as we adults to not know what they want. It's totally okay sometimes to not know what you want. Stay with it. Go within. Your answers are there. You know, it's interesting. My uh, my daughter this week, it was actually just last night, uh, they wanted corn on the cob. And, you know, it's, the weather's getting nicer, so I, I made some corn for them. Um, and I gave it to my youngest. She's two years old. She's well within the terrible twos right now, driving me crazy. And uh, I gave her the corn on the cob, and she's excited. And she goes, I don't want that. I don't like that. And, I, you know, it's, you can't force a two-year-old to do anything. So you try to redirect it. And I say, well, what if we try taking a bite and I'm holding it for her. She doesn't want it. I took a bite. Sometimes that entices her. Don't steal my food. You know, that didn't work. So I cut all the corn off the cob for her. Didn't want that either. So I take the corn away. Then she starts screaming, I want the corn! I give her the corn. It, give it her a spoonful. She doesn't want that. I take it away. She wants it. I give it to her. She doesn't want it. I take it away. She, you know, it was just back and forth between the two of us. Um, and it was just this dizzying thing. But that's kind of relevant. You know, not knowing... Is okay I guess you know she didn't know what she wanted Um, it wasn't okay for me at that point but I digress Um, I, I think it's important to acknowledge that that it's okay to not know something because as I said in the beginning of the show the fact that I don't know things motivates me it gives me a sense of purpose and it gives me a, a, a reason to wake up in the morning sometimes. I want to learn this. I want to research this. I want to explore this. I want to interview this person. It's it's my acknowledgement of that I don't know certain things that has forced me, has driven me to connect with many of the guests I have on the show. That, that's why, how I connected with Ray. I, I didn't know much about the Anunnaki and you know, he wrote a book about it. So let me reach out to Ray. and He came on the show one time and, and you know the rest is history so I uh, Ray uh, you know such a short piece of writing here I think that has such powerful implications for us as truth seekers and, you know I'm I'm reading a book right now uh, by Dean Graciosi I think I'm saying his last name right it's called Million Dollar Success Habits and, and you guys know I went through a Tony Robbins phase a few months back and I think because I watched a lot of Tony Robbins on YouTube here's tech you know with the algorithms man Every time I'd watch something along those lines, with well, Dean Graziosi starts popping up in my news feeds, and then all of a sudden he's popping up on my Facebook. I mean, these algorithms are crazy. But anyway, and, and Dean and Tony are friends apparently. This book, I'm always trying to to better myself, to to grow my businesses, and and uh, just improve my quality of life, and my relationships with people, and everything. So. Finally, I've been wanting this book for a while. I, I couldn't find it on on Audible, which is how I consume a lot of my books these days, just because of time. Finally, uh, this week I find it on there, and I downloaded it. and I'm only about an hour and a half into it, and I got to say, right now, he's knocking it out of the park, and he just gives these simple little adjustments in your thoughts and your actions. It's not like this, well, now I need to go on this X diet and change my whole routine. He's just giving you these tips to shift in your thinking that I'm going to share some of them with you. Like I'm listening to this, I'm going, oh my gosh, this is what I've been doing. And it's it's self-sabotage for me. So he talked about, he says, focus on your goal, focus on where you're going and stop focusing on everything that can go wrong. Stop focusing on all the obstacles. He gave an, uh, an example of if you're, if you're riding in a canoe going down rapids, don't focus on all the danger points. Focus on the end point where you want to get to. Keep your eye on that because once you start focusing on the rapids and the danger, that's where you end up going towards because you're so focused on it, you go right to it. And that made a, that really hit me hard. Um, and a basic example for me is when I go out, and, and my anxiety at different times goes up and it goes down. Um, and the the last month, I'd say, it was probably the worst it's ever been. Um, I've got it under control, and the last like four days, I felt phenomenal, and I think I figured it out I fi- I figured it out what was going on with me. But anyway, when my anxiety's bad, we take a lot of walks in my family. I've got three young kids, you know, two, five, and seven. And we live in the mountains and we live with gravel roads. And so lots of obstacles for my kids to trip and fall. And when my, when my anxiety's not bad, I don't focus on it. But when my anxiety's bad, I don't want them running. I don't want them going off into the woods. I don't want, you know, I'm nervous about cars. We don't have a lot of cars in my area, but I'm always like, stay out of the middle of the street. There's cars coming. And then when I'm really bad, I'm like, what if there's a bear? Like... I, I've seen bear up here I've never seen a bear attack they always run the opposite direction they, but when my anxiety is high I start worrying about this so the other day I was still kind of a little feeling a little anxious and around on a walk and they want to run and this and that I just thought well, what I asked myself before we, we we started really started going I stopped and I said what are we doing here what do I want what's my goal here I want us to get some exercise I want everybody to have a good time and nobody has fun when daddy's Dealing with an anxiety attack here. So I, I just focused on let's enjoy the walk. We live in a beautiful area. We have lakes. We have woods. And all right, we're going down the street. We need to get, you know, and this is a steep hill. I'm not going to focus on the loose gravel. I'm not going to focus on where they could fall. I'm going to focus on we're getting to the bottom of the street and we're going to have fun every step of the way. And I kept that thought running through. it. I kept focusing on that. And I just felt my stress and anxiety melt away and it felt really good uh... And so i've been trying to do that with things uh... You, you know for example writing my book food for the archons this book should have been out a long time ago Um, but i worried about a whole lot of different things and you know he, the dean talks about recognizing some of these voices and how to deal with them in your head and I did I was afraid of so many different things I still have that anxiety but at the end of the day I want to put this book out I'm gonna put this book out this this has been my passion and kinda of my reason for living for a while trying to get this project done So I made a decision I'm done focusing on everything that could possibly go wrong with this book and I'm I'm it's ready I'm ready I'm uh, this week the covers done the cover is uploaded the ISBN is assigned to the book it's completely formatted. I put everything in there that needs to get in there. There's one more chapter, I just want to read over it one more time. Um, but within the next couple of days the, 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 it's, it's getting, I'm ordering my proof copy, let me put it to you that way. And that's a big step when you get that proof book. I got, you know, I'm getting the chills just thinking about it. Like my friends, you've been with me, some of you for years listening to me do this podcast. I started this podcast as a marketing platform to sell my book. The podcast has evolved into something so much bigger than this book. I'm thankful for the book. I'm thankful for the podcast. When the book is done and forgotten, the podcast will go on. I mean, I'm so thankful for that. But today I, I wrote... I've been putting this off to the last minute. I, I wrote the acknowledgments section. And I, I wanted to put a picture of my dad. Because he's the reason I wrote this book. And... Um, Let me tell you, it it really felt official, like like, 'cause that's the last thing I wrote for this book, for this project. It's like I'm done, and uh, I put his, I I I scanned his picture in the one I wanted to use, and it's it's a picture from from my wedding day, and my dad looks healthy and and you know happy, smiling, and I looked at the picture, it was fine, but when I formatted that picture and I put it in the book. And I just looked at my dad's face and the words that I wrote around it, acknowledging my father. I got choked up, man. I know it's going to be even worse when I get... Not worse. Like, I'm going to have that flood of emotion when I hold it in my hand. Um, you know, it was just something about that final piece, putting my dad's picture in there and and, and reading the words that I wrote around it. Um, because right before it, I conclude it with... Um, a quote from the Mayan Popol Vuh. thats their creation story. And again, the premise of the book, and I know you guys are probably sick of me talking about it, but when my dad died, I had supernatural and paranormal experiences around me that, um, you know, I believe his suffering had something to do with something on the other side, um, prolonging his suffering to maximize my energetic output of grief as a, as a, energetic nourishment. Sounds crazy, read the book, right? Um, So the Mayan Popovu creation myth, the hero twins in there, um, they went down to the underworld and they fought the gods. And there's a quote in there, it says, um, we those whom you see here are the avengers of the suffering and the torment of our fathers. And that's just such a powerful quote for me and so relevant to what I went through with my father and what I've uncovered with this book. It's an empowering book. Um, it's, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I'm giving some plugs here. I'm sorry. But um, I wrote it as a book of despair, man. When I, when I first started writing it, it was like, man, the Archons are here. They're feeding off us. There's nothing we can do. And uh, it has been a journey of discovery and, and enlightenment. And I know I get tr- sidetracked sometimes and get sucked into the fear when I go back and read this book and read what the evidence that I've pulled out for this, the research and the other authors who have written about things, it's it's just empowering, It's and I'm so proud of it. I'm so excited to share it with all of you and to just be done and to get this weight off of my chest and get it out there. I know, I'm giving a long plug, you guys, but um, if you've been with me this long, I think you understand. And I'm th- I just want to say I'm thankful for all of you out there who listen every week. You know, it's, it's an amazing thing when I release the show, and then I, like 10, 20 minutes later, I look and I see, oh my gosh, that many people listen to the show already within, within an hour? I, I got all you. Li-. So it just, thank you. I just want to say that. Um, one more thing I want to go back to million dollar success habits, and this has motivated me this week what Dean says in the book is you know everybody your whole life will tell you figure out what your weaknesses are and find a way to get better improve your weaknesses he says forget that man do what you're good at focus on what you're good at and do that and become great at it and then get paid for it and then pay people to do the things you're not so good at I'm like you know I I'm doing that now you know like I've been so stressed over what I'm not good at and what I'm failing at and it's been holding me back, and it makes me want to give up at everything. The last couple days, I'm like, forget it. And it gave me the that and and uh, focus on the goal, not on the dangers. Those two pieces of advice alone, man, have have driven me to, to finish this project and to get me on the air tonight. Uh, you know, to battle to get over this anxiety and depression crap I've been dealing with. So I'm feeling pretty good, and this 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 one's gonna stick. I'm riding this wave, my friends, and, and uh, good things are coming. So, something else this week that happened that was pretty freaking awesome. Um, I've been doing a lot of work with the crypto viewing team, man, and, and uh, it's such an awesome team. And I got to give a shout out to those guys. Um, it's it's fascinating, and I feel a little bit more comfortable talking about it now because when I first joined the team, I was it was overwhelming with what I learned. Um, which is part of the reason why I kind of scaled back for a little bit on on this platform, just because I needed to process everything. Um, But it's really cool what they do. You know, when I first heard about cryptocurrencies, I could care less about them. I was like, you know what, I'm not interested in that. Listen, I'm looking at conspiracies. I'm looking at AI taking over the world. Uh, I'm looking at everybody's has a psychic connection and all this crazy stuff, archons. I don't have time to worry about money and once I started talking to the team and 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 learning what it is they're doing did you ever hear the expression follow the money? As an investigator you're looking into organized crime follow the money you're looking at terrorism follow the money you want to understand what's going on in the world follow the money so it's really cool what the team does is we get open. We had all sorts of information, open source information, insider information, um, research that, that the team's doing. And then we get the remote viewing data as well to look at what is a particular coin going, how's it going to do in the, in the near future. And um, they're looking at the personalities behind the coin. They're looking at the business behind the coin, the tech that's coming out behind the coins. When you start seeing this and you start seeing this big picture here of how Cryptocurrencies are related to AI, are related to politics, uh, are, are related to government, are related to big tech companies, are related to who runs the world, are related to its impact on your everyday life and everything that you do and that you're going to do. It's fascinating. Um, so it took me a while to get my head around it. but. Uh, I have no doubt now I am gone from belief to now knowing that our financial system is changing and that was a scary thing for me when I first heard it but once you understand it it's not so scary uh, and I encourage you to check out the content that's coming out of there even if the only thing you do right now is, is check out Dick Alguire's—I'm sorry, Dick Alguire's YouTube page. It's entertaining, it's funny, and uh, there's a lot of good information in there. And then, if you want to make the jump to the Patreon site and get a little more in depth with the stuff that comes out there, because there's certain things that are, are, are for the uh, for the paid subscribers, there, it's well worth your time. I'm to will say that. So, shout out to everybody. But because I've been—I've been working with these guys, um, I had an opportunity to sit down with Daz Smith. You may have seen Daz with the uh, Farsight Institute. And the work that he's been doing. He's a very, very talented remote viewer um, and just a nice, down to earth guy. And I had a chance to sit down with him and interview him. And we talked about uh, a few things. We talked about his experience as a remote viewer, his journey, which is just such a neat thing. It, you know, it really, I really connected to him um, having this conversation, hearing what he's gone through, how he's gone through his journey of learning. And what's neat is that he, he says um, he's kind of felt pulled on this journey his whole life for a long time uh, in that interview that came out a few times. And and it reminds me of kind of how I introduced the show. You know, you're here because you know something, which you know you can't explain. Uh, but you you feel just drawn to learn more and to understand it and where it's led him to where he is now is is pretty fascinating. Um, And then we talked about the moon. Daz has been tasked, unbeknownst to his taskers, multiple times to view different targets on the moon, different anomalies on the moon, different things um, that are out there. And him and I get into a really neat discussion about what's on the moon, who might be on the moon, what's going on. It's a lot more than we've been told. Um, So his remote viewing data is really cool. And uh, here's the bonus feature. Um, I got the green light to release my conversations with Daz to all of you on this platform here. Um, I just got that green light last night, so um, we're going to release it through the crypto viewing platform first because that's that's where I uh, that was where I did that who I did that project for. But we're also going to drop that for you guys as well. Uh, and I'm so happy to share that with you because there's a lot of neat information um, that comes out there. Daz has a website, It's it, You want to know about remote viewing, that's where you need to go. He's got a lot of ton of free content, um, suggestions on training. He's got eight martinis. It's a magazine, uh, a free magazine publication that he puts out out of his own pocket. Really great resources there. So if you want to know about remote viewing, I'll have the links to that in the show notes as well. Um, so just some great stuff. Here's a shout out to Daz. Um, all right, I'm kind of rambling on tonight, aren't I, guys? I'm, I'm excited to be on. because I missed a week, so I got to get caught up. Let's get into some of the uh, some of the news here, some of the news stories, and they, they tie into what I'm calling the tech takeover. Now we're at a point as we've been going through this journey together on The Seeker Podcast, we've been looking at technology's gradual infiltration in our lives. Some of the questions we've explored is, well where is this coming from? Is there an AI out there in the universe that has seeded our planet with technology and now that that seed is growing into something larger? Or are we just creating this now and it's just happening to work out as it is? Something bigger is happening here. A consciousness is evolving on our planet. And it has infiltrated our lives. Is that infiltration going to serve as a symbiote? As something that's going to be mutually beneficial in our lives? We get something out of working with it, and it gets something out of working with us. Or is it going to be a parasite where it enslaves us? it feeds off of us and it uses us i think the jury is still out i hope the jury is still out of course there's things that concern me tremendously but then again there's there's also some benefit that could come from some of this tech but many of us are addicted to our technology already i i'm in the process of going through a a, a partial unplug from some things because I found myself in the habit of, like, I'm I'm watching a show and it goes to a 15-second commercial and I got to pull my phone out and scroll through Facebook. I get nothing out of it. I just scroll through Facebook or Instagram, don't interact at all, and and that's it until the commercial's over and then I'm back watching, you know, Netflix or whatever it is, you know, Hulu, they have the commercials on there sometimes. Um, So here's an article here. Want to delete Facebook? Read what happened to these people first, and this is from MarketWatch.com. Um, I'm going to read. I'll, I'll have the links in the show note, so you can uh, you can take a look at it. But I'm going to read some of the testimonies here. I'm skipping around. Uh, the, the this subheading is it's like a crazy ex that never forgets about you. Jacks Austin, a travel video blogger who travels the U.S. in a converted school bus, made a decision to delete his Facebook after the Cambridge Analytica scandal. But when he tried to, it didn't work. They make it so hard, it's almost impossible to delete it, Austin said. It's like a crazy that never forgets you. Uh, others had the same trouble as Austin did in making a clean break. Facebook is part of an ecosystem of apps. That's a big word to learn, ecosystem. Um... Th- that makes the decision to leave far more complicated. Dating apps such as Timber and Hinge and services like Spotify can all use Facebook to create user profiles. Austin's Facebook account was connected with the free web service If This Then That, which posted YouTube videos to his Facebook profile automatically. Austin settled for no longer logging into Facebook and turned his account into a fan page. So it's so embedded into these other apps and programs because everything gets connected in an ecosystem you can't just delete it because your data is everywhere and that's important because your digital footprint your digital identity is being created right now there is a version of you that's that exists in cyberspace now we look at what's happening i'm going to come back to this what's happened in China with their social credit system. And you go back to the true stream media content that I talked about when they went through the Google internal training video talking about the ledger that's coming out that's basically a social engineering piece where it's going to give you goals to attain and rank you and rate you and motivate you towards achieving those goals. Well, that doesn't sound so bad, right? Like, I want to lose weight, so I'm going to go to the Google app and it's gonna motivate me and give me the right points and stuff to lose that weight throw in cryptocurrencies it's gonna give me credit and currency and money every time I achieve XYZ step but what it is we're looking at Pavlov here you've got different aspects of technology rewarding you for doing your desired behavior what you have to start questioning is, well, who's creating the goals? Who's driving the goals? Is AI creating those goals? Is someone behind AI creating those goals? Is it coming from me or am I being influenced by the content that I'm being fed through an algorithm that's causing me to come to this conclusion to make certain goals? Um, anyway, another another one here. Uh, in this article I'm reading. So much of social life is tied to Facebook. When Alan Watson, 32, a freelance writer from South Carolina, deleted his Facebook account, his mother was the most disappointed of his Facebook friends. That's how she kept in touch with me, Watson said. She wants to show off the things I do. And this goes on. A lot of people reported similar things. They lost touch with people. They They couldn't find RSVPs for parties and book appointments because so much of society now exists on the web. And it's incredibly convenient, but I've noticed I'm one of those people, and, and maybe this is dealing with some of my anxiety that I talked about earlier, I just kind of scroll through Facebook, and I don't really do a lot of interacting other than a, a like or something. Um, I don't have a lot of meaningful conversations, not as many as I could with what would be a great benefit. I just get sucked into the mindless scrolling of it. Um, so today I tried to make it a point to reach out to a few people, um, and actually have meaningful dialogue with them as opposed to just scrolling through, liking, sharing, and and not really doing much. But anyway, there's a lot to lose when you give up your, your Facebook account. So keep that in mind. I'm not saying don't, I'm not saying give it up. I'm not saying don't give it up. Uh, You know, I've gone, I've gone dark quite a few times, but now when I'm thinking about it, it's like, well, I'm connected to so many people in my, you know, my business and, It's, it's, it's getting more and more difficult to disconnect from it. All right, here we go. This article is called, where are we at here? And AI has spontaneously developed a human-like sense for numbers. This is from sciencealert.com. I'm going to jump into the middle of this article, but it goes into talk about, the beginning talks about machine learning and deep learning and it explains that the way that a machine learns to recognize shapes and numbers it's got different layers or levels of what it recognizes so first it might recognize curved lines and then over time it'll create a new layer that sees well when curved lines come together to form a certain shape That equals an apple after it looks at like millions and millions of pictures of apples. So base layer recognizes curved lines. Then it goes to test number two. Do those curved lines meet in such a way that's consistent with the shape of an apple? Phase three, is it red? Uh, You know, and it builds on it. I'm I'm not a tech guy, so this is what I got from the article. Anyway, you got the background on it. So I'm going to jump in the middle here and and, and just read one or two paragraphs of it. This is the the last paragraph of one of the sections talking about uh, how machines see numbers. And it says, in fact, many animals can do this too, in terms of just looking at a number and knowing what number it is, like looking at a group and knowing, oh, that's four apples. Oh, that's three apples, without having to count it, and it's saying animals can do that too. So it says, in fact, many animals can do this too. That's because this sense of numerosity is a useful trait for survival and reproduction in a lot of different situations. Take, for instance, judging the size of groups of rivals or prey. Now, I think that's an interesting statement to make when you talk about the development of AI, especially when you think about the weaponization of AI, the autonomous weaponization of AI if it has the ability to look at a group and say that group is too big for me I don't think I can take that on that's a group big enough for me to take on that group is big enough where I need to call in more reinforcement AIs or robots to come in here and address the problem and again I know I'm going to a dark place with that but that's 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 what I see when I read that that's the potential danger and I know I'm not looking at the goal Dennis you're going against what you said Sometimes you got to look at the dangerous stuff. So anyway, here's where it comes from. Uh, Emergent properties. In a new study, a deep neural network that was trained for simple visual object detection spontaneously developed this kind of number sense. The researchers discovered that specific units within the network suddenly tuned to an abstract number, like the real neurons in the brain might respond. It realized that a picture of four apples is similar to a picture of four cats because they have four in common. So uh, I'll I'll read one more paragraph. One really exciting thing about this research is that it shows that our current principles of learning are quite fundamental. Some of the most high-level aspects of thinking that people and animals demonstrate are related deeply to the structure of the world and our visual experience of that. So AI is one step closer to thinking like us, and that's Again, great power comes great responsibility. How is it going to respond? I did it, the last show. I did. I talked about the creation of AI as a slave race. Are we going to main, are we going to be able to maintain control over that slave race? Think about. It, we're creating a new species, a new life form, possibly a new consciousness is a better term. That's amazing. All right, another article here. I want to read between the lines. It's titled uh, where are we at here. This is from the Washington Post. Trump prepares to unveil broad immigration plan but shows no signs of tempering hardline rhetoric. Dennis, what does that have to do with tech takeover? So it talks about the rhetoric that Trump's thrown out there and dangers of immigrants coming in here and who's been kicked out and all the fighting back and forth. I've got one pa- one or two paragraphs that I want to share. Okay, so um, let's make it three paragraphs. The United States has issued more than 1 million green cards each year granting foreigners foreigners legal permanent residency, of which about 140,000 are based on employment and the rest on family ties, refugee status, and a diversity lottery. Here's what's important. The new White House plan would distribute more than half of the green cards to immigrants under a point system in which applicants are ranked on such criteria as professional skills, educational levels, age, and English ability," White House aides said. Another criterion aides said would be patriotic assimilation, a concept that would favor immigrants who had shown an active interest in incorporating the nature's culture and way of life. One administration official offered an example in which green card applicants would be required to pass an exam based on a reading of George Washington's farewell address or Thomas Jefferson's letter to the Danbury Baptist Association. I tell you right now, I don't think I could pass one of those tests right now. Shame on me, but uh, I'm just being honest. Anyway, why am I highlighting that? This sounds like a perfect opportunity to bring in technology to bring in social media. What better way to rank these people? Welcome to America. Here's your cell phone. Establish your Facebook account. You're going to get points based on how you're interacting online, what professional skills you say you have, you're actually doing, you're logging them, you're getting educational points. I don't think it's too far of a stretch to see that point system move from just a paper-based documentation verification to somebody saying, hey, let's incorporate this into tech. Maybe that's already in the works. Maybe I'm stretching it here. I don't know. But I, I just thought that was interesting. Um, I-, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw that something like that coming. All right, this one here... Uh Listen to this here. Let me let me give you the... This is called Trump Signs Order Aimed at Protecting U.S. Networks from Chinese Tech. Be afraid! Oh my gosh, this is a fear-based thing. Look, President Trump on Wednesday signed an executive order declaring a national emergency that would empower his administration to block foreign tech companies from doing business in the U.S. if they are deemed a national security threat. That doesn't sound bad, right? I don't want somebody who's a national security threat doing business in the United States. Problem is, our iPhones are already compromised. Some of them by our own agencies, our own government. Anyway. Oh, man, they're mad at me. Wow, they're listening. My whole screen, right when I said that, the whole screen just went blank, and, and then it came back, and it scrolled up and down. I'm not touching the computer. I'm not touching the mouse. It just went up and down. All right, somebody's listening. They didn't like that statement. I'm sorry. Crazy, man. All right. President Trump on Wednesday signed an executive order declaring a national emergency that would empower his administration to block foreign tech companies from doing business in the U.S. if they're deemed a national security threat. The order does not name any countries or companies, but the administration has launched a global campaign to keep the Chinese telecom Huawei, I'm not saying that right, Uh, from helping U.S. allies develop next-generation wireless infrastructures. U.S. officials have argued that Huawei is... uh, I'm really saying that wrong. ...is inextricably linked to the governing Chinese Communist Party and could allow the country to spy on nations where its hardware is present. That makes sense. You know, we don't want to um, give them access to our infrastructure. Um because then they're gonna spy on us. But they're already doing it with the iPhone. The White House's order targets transactions. Now here we are. Transactions that pose a threat to national security or risk the potential for economic sabotage against U.S. companies and infrastructure. I told you, cryptocurrencies are coming. Digital transactions. Yes, you can use PayPal in the U.S. dollar. That's not what this is addressing. This is looking at the future of cryptocurrencies. I guarantee it, um, the near immediate futures. And now that I think about it, Dick had a great, um, a great video up on his YouTube channel that explains some of this in a little bit better detail. I'll, I'll share with, uh, in the show notes, the order will empower the department of commerce to block transactions that it deems to be a threat to national security. So here's the interesting thing is cryptocurrencies are supposed to liberate us from the banks. They're supposed to give us a sense of freedom to cut out the middleman. But if you've got an order in there, an executive order now that's allowing Department of Commerce to block transactions that it deems to be a threat to national security, well, how do you define a threat to national security? You know, you look at the last election, I mean, just is fake news a threat to national security? Well, who determines what is fake news? Is fake news something that's actually fictitious or is it just something that goes against the party line? It's a dangerous road we're looking at here. Uh, This executive order addresses the threat posed by foreign adversaries to the nation's information and communications technology and services supply chain. Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross said in a statement, under President Trump's leadership, Americans will be able to trust that our data and infrastructure are secure. Okay, so I'll have this for you to read the rest of it uh, in the show notes. But I, I think, again, there's there's a groundwork being laid here, my friends. Um, it's going to be an interesting future. That's all I can say. All right, here we go. This one comes to us from the New York Times. Your 5G phone won't hurt you, but Russia wants you to think otherwise. I love how it's always the Russians, man. The Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. All right. RT America, a network known for sowing disinformation, has a new alarm. The coming 5G apocalypse. The cell phones known as 5G or fifth generation represent the vanguard of a wireless era, rich in interconnected cars, factories, and cities. Whichever nation dominates the new technology will gain a competitive edge for much of this century, according to many analysts. But a television network a few blocks from the White House has been stirring concerns about a hidden flaw. Just a small one, a TV reporter told her viewers recently, it might kill you. The Russian network RT America aired the segment titled A Dangerous Experiment on Humanity in covering what its guests, experts call 5G's dire health threats. U.S. intelligence agencies identified the network as a principal meddler in a 2016 presidential election. Now it is linking 5G signals to brain cancer, infertility, autism, heart tumors, and Alzheimer's disease claims that lack scientific support. I don't know if they lack scientific support or they lack scientific attention. When you start going down the 5G rabbit hole, I know I have some resources somewhere that I've shared on one of my past shows there are some serious concerns there now what we have to ask ourselves is is this legit a fake news propaganda machine or is this somebody who's really warning us about the dangers of 5g or is it something else well let's keep reading yet even as rt america the cat's paw of russian president vladimir putin has been doing its best to stoke the fears of American viewers. Mr. Putin, on February 20th, ordered the launch of Russian 5G networks in a tone evoking optimism rather than doom. So, if this could be an op, all right, that's one possibility, that Russia's putting out there, telling the Americans to fear 5G, don't adopt 5G, so we adopt 5G and we beat you in this tech, this new tech race. Um, that is a possibility, or it could just be the way the article is written. We need to look forward, he said, according to, where are we at? According to TASS, the Russian news agency, the challenge for the upcoming years is to organize universal access to high-speed Internet to start operation on the fifth generation communication systems. Why do they need universal access to high speed internet? What's universal? Everybody needs access to the high speed internet. Why? Because everything's moving to a digital based system. Your currency, your identity, your interactions, a lot of jobs are moving there, AI, automation, everything is moving there and 5G is the platform by which they're doing it. Whether it causes cancer or not, now, I'm suspecting if those dangers exist, this article was probably written to alleviate our fears so we're not afraid of it. Because Russia's doing it, even though Russia's putting out that it's scary, the Russians are bad and they're trying to interfere with America's way of life. But they're putting it out and we need to make sure we're competing with them just like the space race. Ah, uh, where are we going here? Analysts see RT's attack on 5G as geopolitically bold. It targets a new world of interconnected futuristic technologies that would reach into consumers' homes, aid national security, and spark innovative industries. Already, medical firms are linking up devices wirelessly to create new kinds of health treatments. Let's read between the lines, shall we? Okay. It targets new world of interconnected, futuristic technologies. Again, the entire planet is being connected. Everything. Now, go back and listen to my interview with Edward Reardon when we did the QAnon stuff. Everything's getting connected. We'll reach into consumers' homes. They're talking about the Internet of Things there. They're already in our homes. They're going to have more access to our homes. They're collecting metadata on everything. Everything we do, everything we like, not just your interactions on Facebook. They're looking at how hot you keep your water heater because your water heater is connected to the internet of things. There's toilets out there that are connected already looking at your water usage. Who knows? Maybe they've got sensors in there that are examining your bowel movements to tell you what you're eating, what sicknesses you have, everything. That's the type of data. How you, how hot you keep it. Now let's not even start with with Alexa being in your house, listening to your conversations. Reach into consumers' homes. Now listen to the next line. First, they're reaching into your homes, aid national security. Okay, how are they aiding national security? They're reaching into your homes. They're collecting data on you. It knows this neural network, this giant global brain that is being built will know everything about everything that it's connected to. That's how it will aid national security because it will know what you're doing in your home. It's practically going to know what you're thinking. Are you going to serve the system or are you going to be a threat to the system? Now again, understanding this can give you the tools you need to interact with this system. When I first started doing this, I was looking at, you need to resist this, you need to reject this. But in doing so, as of right now, I don't know how a rejection of this system will allow you to function in society in any in any easy way now there's there's the diehards out there who are going completely off grid and i'm not against it but if you've got a family if you've got a job that you like you really not everybody can just pick up and go off grid so what do you do this is coming You need to find a way to interact with it in a way that you're comfortable with, in a way that keeps you safe. You need to be mindful that everything is collecting information. So be careful when and where you say and do things you don't want the system to know. And then everybody's happy, right? Okay. Uh, It's going to aid national security. I'm going to keep reading now. And spark innovative industries. What are those innovative industries? I'm gonna tell you, the cryptocurrency market is certainly one of those industries, uh, and beyond. It's, it's fascinating how this is all connected, Now this is all unfolding. And again, when I first started this journey, I, I found this all terrifying. And there are very scary aspects of it. But if you can step out of that fear for a minute, and step back, Now, I'm not saying this is good or bad, but when you can step back for a minute, you have to marvel at it, at at how, wow, what is being built, what's unfolding before our eyes. Let me continue here. Already medical firms are linking up devices wirelessly to create new kinds of health treatments. Um, I I don't, I, I know I've looked at... Um, certain AI algorithms that are diagnosing patients better than doctors are at this point. Um, I don't I know I've looked at brain implants that are helping to regulate electrical impulses in the brain to help deal with seizures. Um, what's next? Pacemakers, um, you know th- this, this, you've got innovative industries coming up and medical firms linking devices wirelessly to create new kinds of health treatments. This is also referring to nanotech that's coming, in my opinion. The nanotechnology that's going to be ingested into your body and have some kind of an impact on you that's going to be monitored and communicated with through this wireless internet. There's a movie with Johnny Depp. I can't remember what it's called, but it depicts that quite nicely. Of course, it goes into a worst-case scenario. And I know I shared this before, but it, it, I just, it's amazing how this has stuck with me. Back in 1996 or 97... I read a, uh, I was taking a standardized test, of all things, you know how I feel about standardized tests. I was taking a standardized test, and one of the little stories I had to read was about nanotech. They called it robot bugs. They talk about these microscopic little dust mite-sized particles that would be floating through the air that would serve all these environmental purposes, and then if you happen to inhale them, they could go in and clean the plaque out of your arteries. Why did that article stick with me for so long? Why did I get that? There was, there was 10 possible articles I could have gotten. I ended up getting that one. It's just the synchronicity there. I'm, I'm sharing that with you. I thought that's interesting. All right, here we go. Uh, it's economic warfare, Ryan Fox, chief operating officer of New Knowledge, a technology firm that tracks disinformation, said in an interview, Russia doesn't have a good 5G play, so it tries to undermine and discredit ours. 5G is also a growing point of friction between Washington and Beijing, with each side lining up allies in what has become a major technology race. Moscow and Beijing are seen as possibly forming a 5G political bloc. The Kremlin would really enjoy getting uh, democratic governments tied up in fights over 5G's environmental and health hazards, said Molly McCall, head of Fianna Strategies, a consulting firm in Washington, D.C. that seeks to counter Russian disinformation. So really what this is saying is that the Russians are trying to distract you while the Russia and China. But but think about this, okay? This is massive. So you can be scared of 5G all you want. It doesn't matter if you agree with it or not. It doesn't matter if it causes cancer or not. 5G is coming. The infrastructure will be here. So just by you saying, well, I'm not going to have a 5G phone, well, you're not going to be able to do anything if you don't have it. So again, you can fight the river of change and swim against the current, or you can learn to surf. This, is, this article is designed, I think, to confuse you and to scare you. Read between the lines. Go out and do your own research on both sides of this. Um, I'll I'll have this linked in the show notes I think it's important to read the whole thing but uh, make sure you check it out that's the last one I have my friends Um, lots to think about Uh, and and again with this technology alone I think it, it, it gives us the ability to make the paranormal normal and the supernatural natural because what they're doing to the person that's not familiar with technology looks like magic and some of that seems really cool. but I have to stress we need to we need to remember our our current connection. We need to go within, we need to meditate more. We need to understand our connection to this universe before we get sucked into the next universe that's being created before our very eyes. I'm out of time, my friends. Uh, be sure to check us out at sixcentsmedia.net. Check out the crypto viewing team. I'll have the links in the show notes for that. Check out Ray Davis at the Affirmation Spot as well. As always, be sure to subscribe to the Secret Newsletter. Get your free ebook. I am human, and we are not who we think we are. That newsletter goes to your inbox every single Sunday morning. It's the best way to stay connected and find out information about when I Am Human is coming out. The new book. I can't wait to get it out of my friend. All right, I'm out of time been a great show thanks so much for listening i'd love to hear your comments please don't forget to share as well it helps to support the show and don't forget to get your t-shirt from the six cents media clothing line that also helps to support what we're doing here i'm dennis nappy the second this has been another episode of the seeker podcast where small changes among the masses have a massive impact around the world i encourage you to be that change never stop questioning and keep an open mind thank you (laughs) I'm I'm not eating you, I'm not eating you, i